Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, Kate Beans. And we're back, man. Episode 146? <laughs> yeah. 146. Yeah. All right, man. First one of the year. So let's start off fresh. Mm-hmm. Let's get right into it. Um, recently, an officer paid for the food of someone that got busted shoplifting. All right, let's go ahead and get into that article. Um, all right. Jeez, these stupid articles. All these fucking pop-ups. All right. Uh, a police officer paid for a family's Christmas groceries instead of charging two women with shoplifting. All right. In the article, uh, a Massachusetts police officer used his own money to buy Christmas dinner for a family in need instead of charging two women with shoplifting. Somerset police officer Matt Lima was called to a stop and shop grocery store on December 20th after uh, store security said the woman didn't scan everything that they put in their in the their bags at the self checkout register. Um, according to a statement on the police department's website, uh, the women who had two small children with them were stopped as they left the store. Police said, I have two girls my, myself similar in age to the two girls that were there. So it kind of struck me in a, a little bit. Uh, Lima took one of the women aside so they could talk about what happened without the children hearing. Store employees kept the kids occupied so they wouldn't know what was going on. The woman I talked to. Uh, the woman I talked to, she explained she was working, but the mother of the children was not working and some had some other family issues going on. And that and what she had taken was Christmas dinner for the kids. Lima told uh, the news. All right. This is what I take from this. Right. I think that especially in the United States, there's a lot of bad news swirling around the police. Right. You got officers that are fucked up. You got officers that are killing unarmed black people. But you also got officers that show up and do a good fucking job. You got officers that feed the homeless. You got officers that um, you got officers that's hooping on little black kids in the hood. Yeah, they show up and start dunking on kids in in the fucking streets and shit. (laughs) But the thing about it, man, is two things are true. You know, nobody nothing is all good or all bad. I think we get too caught up like, you know, the Sean Kings of the world who just constantly shit on the police. Right. And it's like. There's there's more than one narrative that exists. You cannot be so one sided and generalize all the police. You can't do that because I'm sure somebody in America that's like, I don't trust black people. Some black person stole from me 20 years ago and I think they're all criminals. We would be mad as fuck if somebody said that about black people. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm not trying to compare a blue, a blue lives matter, black lives. I'm not doing that. But what I will say is generalization is bad. Right. And I think that this is a beautiful story. And I, I, I think it was cool uh, for it to be highlighted, especially with all the fucked up shit going on. Yeah, it, it is kind of like a change of pace for us, because like you said, most of the stories we're hearing is about mm-hmm. black, uh, white cops killing black kids and, right. you know, uh, strangling people and beating them up. And it, it, it and the ethnicity actually don't even matter. No nah. white cops beating up white people. And women and stuff so it was just like a, a just a breath of f- fresh air almost right um i thought they missed out on the opportunity of a like a cool headline though like right police officer charges his card instead of charging the women with shoplifting um i thought that would have been a cool headline. Yeah, been a cool headline but uh you're not a writer keith so. <laughs> 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 let's just leave it up to the writers all right no, i'm just playing no. yeah that's i think it's dope though i think it's uh it's one of those things where I was almost like, 
Because when you first started read, when I first seen the uh, the article, I was like, ah, oh, man, here we go again. Yeah. And then you you actually do some real, like a real deep dive into the story. And you're like, oh, he did a great thing. So right. I think that the headline was dope, though, because I wouldn't want it to be like, imagine if they wrote this shit to be like, uh, uh, white officer helps black thief from, ah. <laughs> buys groceries. <laughs> You'd be like, yo, y'all could have wrote this shit better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, man. We need more officers like him that actually give a fuck about people. He mm. did not have to pay two hundred and he paid two hundred fifty dollars too. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Mm. I don't give a fuck how much money you make. Two hundred fifty dollars is a lot of money, and he got his own kids to worry about. Yeah. So it's like officers are not rich. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure even if they make a decent living, they're not rich. He don't have to come two hundred fifty dollars out of his pocket to do shit for nobody. Mm-hmm. That's something he did out of the kindness of his heart. I'm not sure. I'm sure. I don't know if he called his department. Or not, and said, "Hey, um, is it okay if I pay for these groceries?" Yeah, I don't know if he did or not. He just took it upon himself to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's okay. Like at the end of the day, I think it's okay to highlight somebody doing something good from this type of situation. Yeah. So and yeah, this is a beautiful thing. It's a good. That's a good way to start off the podcast with some good police, some good policing. Right, because yeah. you don't want to start it off with police brutality. <laughs> <laughs> like January first, <laughs> kills another black man. You're like, come on, man. You don't, yeah. to, you don't want to bring that in, but yeah, not too much to say about this except for um, just understand that um, no, nothing or no one is all good or bad. Mm-hmm. So regardless of the fucked up shit you hear about the police, you know it's cops out here that became a cop to actually make change. Yeah, and this is the type of change we need in these departments. Mm-hmm. I need some free groceries. Um, <laughs> he's like, hey, you're not a good cop because you don't buy me free honey buns, motherfucker. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> All right, funny. switching gears. Hey, I seen him one oh. time. I was uh, I was out and I had a. It was like a late night meeting, kind of a uh, uh, slash. Um, the guy bought us some food, uh-huh. so we went to, to this Chipotle by USC. And I don't know what happened, but it was like it was just the strangest thing. Like it, it was almost a scene out of a movie. So there's a the we were kind of in this like um, outside eating. It was like I don't even know what you would call it. Call it just outside seating area, like a food court almost. Yeah, but outside. Like a food court. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then these police officers. There was this guy that was tripping. So we were under the assumption that somebody was coming in to uh, like reprimand the, right, the guy right. or whatever but they just walk right past him and then they got their food and then next thing you know it was like two or three police cars just zoom by going like however many miles per hour going yeah. super fast yeah. and then you just see these two super unathletic police officers running outside like Forrest Gump like with they freaking uh, Chipotle bags oh, man. <laughs> just that's like, gotta suck you'd be like <laughs> if you a cop and you trying to eat your burrito and then somebody shoot somebody you'd be like fuck <laughs> You couldn't give me 15 minutes to eat my goddamn burrito, motherfucker? Yeah, shit. Yeah, they probably didn't even get to enjoy it. Man. Yeah. I remember one time there was a video of like somebody was videotaping the cops and it was like at Wendy's eating burgers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look at these pigs. Look at these motherfucking racist cops. And the cops was just minding their business trying to eat a goddamn cheeseburger. <laughs> and then all the comments, even from black people, was just like, hey, man, leave the fucking cops alone, man. Yeah. He's trying to eat a, a cheeseburger. Like, yeah. leave him alone. He ain't doing nothing. Ain't doing nothing but eating a cheeseburger. And the cop was just like, I don't know what's going on, man. 
<laughs> I don't know what's going on. That's comedy. All right, switching gears. I, I had to talk about this because I seen this on social media and felt like it was just something to bring up. Some girl posted this. I'll leave her uh, anonymous, but it was a post and it's this dude standing there and it says, uh, a man will know if he want if he wants to marry you in six months. He doesn't need four uh, four plus years to know that. And I thought to myself, like, this is just bad, right? It's just my opinion. But if you want to marry somebody, you really don't know if you want to marry someone in six months. You have an idea of where it's going to go or you start having expectations, but you don't fucking know somebody in six months, Mm -hmm. right? You don't know somebody. You may not know them after over a year. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that when you break up with somebody, you find out more about them after you break up with them? Yeah. Yeah. Because now what's happening is you get to see them, the real them. A lot of times people are just auditioning and pretending to be the person they are. And then you separate from them. You'd be like, yo, what the fuck? What was I doing? How did I not see that this was a problem? How did I not see they were hiding this or whatever? Mm -hmm. So this whole idea is fucked up. I don't don't know. how. Maybe it's women that think like this, that a man should know if he wants to marry you in six months. But that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, I that's you. Uh, we had that conversation before, but mm-hmm. I think those are the type of men that um, they post. They're all their posts are catered towards women, right? Yeah, like for women. Uh, yeah, it's just like these these pandering people, and yeah. they they understand that they if they capture a community of women and they're saying mm-hmm. the right things, they can kind of garner that audience mm-hmm. and sell merchandise and there go you go following all that kind of nonsense. There you go. Yeah. So uh, he seems to be one of those kind of people, right? Um, but yeah, you're right. You don't you don't know there sometimes like so six months in a, in a span of six months, you have to think about like what you can actually do with the person. Right. A hundred percent. So you may not have even ran into a major holiday yet. There you, you know, go. It, it may be if you start dating someone at the top of the year, mm-hmm. you haven't even hit the Christmases and, mm-hmm. and certain other, uh, and certain, you may not was the fourth, the fourth of July is in, uh, the seventh month. Right. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So you haven't even hit the fourth of July. You know what I'm saying? You haven't, you haven't, had an opportunity to have like the big family gatherings that a lot of us are accustomed to. So you don't know how people interact with their family. You You don't, you haven't even met they, you know, their parents yet. Mm -hmm. So you don't know the type of, you know, interactions or traumas or whatever they have with their parents and their siblings and stuff like that. So that's all the stuff that you get to experience over the course of time. You gotta have, you gotta give it time. You don't yeah. know all the situation. You haven't went through all the situations, scenarios, and sacrifices that it takes to marry someone. I think in order for something to marry anybody, she needs to sacrifice something for me, and I gotta sacrifice something for her. Yeah. That's the only way you know if somebody's really truly about you mm-hmm. is when they're willing to sacrifice something. I'm not saying you gotta do shit for me, but it could be something as simple as, hey, you know, I seen you needed help, so I just took off of work to do this for you, and you'd be like damn like yo i gotta put a ring on this girl's finger mm-hmm. you know what i mean there, there or needs- i gotta blow her back out later yeah i gotta eat her eat her pussy <laughs> 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 she got me a ps5 i gotta, I gotta eat this pussy <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna eat her pussy while she's standing up <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the ps5 babe <laughs> And she got me another controller. Oh my god! Uh, you get the two controllers. Damn, oh, you really thoughtful. Yeah, <laughs> that's <crazy>. funny. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, 
And then you haven't you haven't even been through that's still low key to honeymoon period. You haven't even been through like any real situations. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe you coming home depressed and you know, you have to see how that person deals with right. you know, your your mental health and, you know, just the stresses of life, you know, 100%. how how uh each of you deal with that. So you have to get past the infatuation stage. Yeah. So if you're in this infatuation stage where you're like, you know, I think a lot of women have a problem with that. I think women are infatuated with love. I think that they want that. They want the same shit that they see on their favorite TV shows and mm-hmm. The Bachelor. Women watch all that bullshit and, and they see these mm-hmm. relationship goals on social media and they want this shit in real life. Yeah. But that's just cute shit. Yeah. A marriage is about on days where you fucking dislike each other but you still got to be there yeah it's not about taking these cute selfies together at the beach and shit that shit is deep man if you if you ever know some people with successful marriages and they've been they've been together a long time and they still get along it's because you got to be able to be cool with somebody when you tired of them yeah because to be honest bro when married people that's been together for 30 plus years bro they're fucking dude you've been having sex with the same vagina for 30 fucking years it or has, not. Huh? I said, or not. What? Do you, or what? You might got a side piece. Oh, that, <laughs> that's not a successful marriage. <laughs> it has to be deeper than that, man. Like, it's got to be deeper than the sexual stuff. If you just dated a chick because she's got nice titties and she's pretty and fucking 20 years goes on, those titties ain't keeping you around, bro. It's something deeper. Like, you, it's got to be a deeper purpose to be around the other person. Yeah. A woman can choose a dude because he's attractive, but... That's not going to fucking matter 20 years from now. Yeah. People get caught up in choosing people. Um, they, they, choose, they choose people because they like the way things look more than they like the way things are. I think men and women both have that problem. Mm-hmm. So they may like what things look like, but believe the surface, it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. But look, I don't want to stray too far from the topic. I think that it's a joke. I think that you don't want to end up like Lamar Odom and Khloe Kardashian. You fucking know each other for one month and you get married. Mm-hmm. That's just it's a false feeling. And I think it comes with expectation, too. I think when you have expectations for how things should go for the rest of your life in six months, that's pretty fucking dumb. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't you barely even know if you like somebody in six months. A hundred percent. You don't even know if you want to really I mean, you probably know beforehand, but mm-hmm. I would say like three months, you probably actually. Like yeah, this is this might be girlfriend material, mm-hmm. and then six months. That's not even like you say. It's still the honeymoon period, dude. They I, haven't even farted around you yet, right? Y'all, if y'all you gotta not, make sure her ass don't stink before you right. put a ring on it. You gotta make sure you can handle her farts first, because <laughs> women they be stinking. <laughs> women, dude, and you never hear women fart, and then once you get with them in close quarters and they start farting, you be like, yo, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Your fart smell like your motherfucking uh, like your pH balance is off. You got them pH balance farts. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm you, it's it's all kinds of shit. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, because if you fart around somebody and you supposedly care about them and they get so bent out of shape and mad, it's like dog, they ain't meant for you, bro. Yeah, that was so, I forgot what I was reading or looking at, but somebody, some dude was genuinely mad that his girl was farting around. So her. fucking stupid. Her, now her stomach is growling and whatnot. Yeah, this girl told me one time that she was dating a dude for a year. She never farted around him. I was like, bro, y'all should have broke up three months into the relationship. Yeah, because I'm blowing ass. I, I'm not gonna take How that long. long. Are you waiting? How long am I waiting? Yeah. I'm not waiting no longer than shit. I'm not waiting longer than like. 
a little over, not even a month. A month in there. Not even. Yeah. Because I got to, you, I fart. I mean, I fart more than I want to. I got to fart right now. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I just farted. <laughs> so it's like you oh, know it took if, this nigga eddie three weeks into the podcast before he felt comfortable enough to fart man on i'd be like honestly if y'all heard the fart or not i don't give a fuck <laughs> this podcast is based on transparency <laughs> all you motherfuckers are probably farting right now let you're probably farting right now listening to this fucking podcast transfartancy transfartancy <laughs> <laughs> at least out of the, all the people that listen to this podcast, at least probably two of y'all gonna shit on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah, man. Nah, I don't know, man. I, mm-hmm. I just think um, I said, and you made a great point earlier. You said depending on the age of a man or whatnot, they'll know when they want to marry a woman based on that. So if you're like 20 years old and you with a girl for four years, you're really young. So you need to yeah. take you need to take more time. Honestly, my opinion, not to say that it matters, if you're very young, you should not be thinking about marriage. I think you should just be thinking about building your life and just trying to get some pussy and moving on with yourself. I really don't think you should be getting married at 20 years old if you're a man. Oh, no. If you're, if you're a woman or a man, you should not be getting married at 20 years old. You have not lived enough life to be in a marriage. Yeah, you're still going to be curious. You're going to be curious. It's too much temptation. You're going to start seeing all these attractive women and women are going to be seeing all these attractive men while they're married and you're not going to know how to be a fucking wife. So you need to go through a whole phase for a while. Do that. And then if you are serious after that, then you can get married because you know what's out there now. It ain't you. You find out that there's nothing out there. Now you could be committed to a marriage. However, if you're my age, right, you're 35 years of age. And you're single and you meet this woman and she's just amazing, bro. By the second year, I say for me personally, it'll take me around within the first year. I would know like, you know what? I'm thinking this. I probably going to end up marrying this chick. Yeah. But you're still not going to fucking propose. But if you go two solid years and we've seen enough scenarios and situations, I'm going to be like, yeah, I got to start shopping for a ring. There you go. You know what I mean? You don't want to be fucking 43 proposing. I'm not doing that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not waiting until I'm no older than 37 before she gets a ring. Cause yeah. I mean, you guys have lived enough life by then too to know, mm-hmm. like, all right, okay, this shit's different. Mm-hmm. You know, this woman is different. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 definitely. That that age plays a big role. I know mm-hmm. for me, I will. I at 20 years old, I was not no husband material. Oh fuck no. Yeah. Me neither at all. Yeah. So. That's one of those things you just, those are your plan years, you know, those are the years where you get to mm-hmm. have a little bit of fun, not nothing too serious. You may, some people be like in real relationships, but you know, they still, they still haven't shaped into uh, like husband material. Mm-hmm. You know? They still stepping out on a girl, but um, some, some people never get rid of it. Some people do, but a lot of people do, you know, when they start getting into their late twenties and whatnot, they start having kids and they realize like, yo, I need to stop. Stop all the buffoonery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I just think it kind of hits you. I think the expectations we have are just, it's so, it's so much like, like to really be with somebody the rest of your life. That's asking a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot, dude. You got to make sure it's the right person, dude. Like you got to make sure it's somebody that's not going to mind. Like, like this is, this is literally until you bury me or I bury you. Like, yeah. think about what that means. Until the day that you put me in the fucking ground or I put you in the ground, we are going to be together. No outside distractions, no outside vagina, just you and me. 
People need to think about that before they get married. Oh, for sure. You you know you can't fuck other people, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it's one of those things, too, like where uh, a lot of people don't realize how much work it takes to to be in a successful relationship. Right. So um, when it comes to like it. So what I'm saying is the time frame matters, but it 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 doesn't matter it's not a hundred percent of the reason why you have a successful relationship because whether it's six months or four years you guys still have to learn each other still have to learn to communicate you still have to learn to get over arguments you still have to get through arguments without disrespecting each yeah, other there you go so all those things are like learned things so you know whether yeah. it's six months four years five years seven years you still got a, a learning curve yeah you got to be careful because women women get triggered real easy too mm-hmm You'd be like, well, I think that's what you need to do. So you're telling me what I need to do. Like, no, I'm not telling you. I'm just saying that I'm making a suggestion. But you just told me that you said. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah, I hate when people tell me what to do. I'm like, it was just a suggestion. He was like, yeah. Women just love to get triggered, man. Mm-hmm. You guys, oh, God. Like, hey, babe, can you make me a sandwich? I'm not put on this planet to make men sandwiches. You're just like, But Dang. your sandwich tastes the best. <laughs> 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 I like a misogynistic sandwich. <laughs> now you get in that goddamn kitchen and make me a fucking sandwich, okay? <laughs> oh man. I don't know where I don't know where that came from, like yeah. and why it's so misogynistic, but the whole sandwich thing is yeah. it pisses women off. Yeah. They hate it. Mm-hmm. They were like, you know what? You make your own fucking sandwich, all right? <laughs> I wasn't put on this earth to make you a fucking sandwich. You're like, no, I know you were not put on this earth to make me a sandwich, and I love you, but your sandwiches are the best. <laughs> Better than Subway's. <laughs> That's wild. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, switching gears. Um, where you are currently in life is not a life sentence. If you started this year, right, in, in 2021, and you know you, you you're you're broke. You don't got a lot of money, or you're overweight, or you just got divorced, or somebody cheated on you, or whatever the fuck is going on in your life that's not good. It's not a life sentence. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. There was a dude that said, it was earlier today. He posted like, man, it just it hurts. So I, I got dumped, and it hurts. It sucks. And I just responded to the thing. I said, hey man, I was like, there's a silver lining in this that you're gonna find out later on. You know, this is not a life sentence. You're going to be all right. Yeah. Because um, when you're in the moment, it feels fucked up. Like you don't feel good about yourself. You Something's wrong. Your confidence is fucked up. You feel insecure about stuff. But that's not it's not a life sentence. You can do things to work on yourself to start to completely eradicate those feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a person going into this year and you're overweight and you're insecure about yourself, if you do the work on yourself, the more you start to look in the mirror, it's like you're building confidence. It's almost like a bank account that started at zero and then you go to 250 and then from 250 you go to 700 and from 700 you got $2,100 and now you got $3,700. Now you got $10,000 and it's that's how you build your confidence. Yeah. It's over time. Yeah. It's 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 not going to come overnight and I, I think that we, we've gotten so used to having that instant gratification that that also could depress us because we're not getting things when we want. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, when I thought about this, this conversation, I think that the thing that I wanted to 
related to mostly and you know obviously we don't have kids listening to this but like mm-hmm. as kids and hopefully <laughs> and hopefully like you know <laughs> the listeners out there can tell their younger siblings their younger nephews nieces or their kids even like you know I wish I knew this as a kid like mm-hmm. and I think I did a little bit because I had big dreams but like your current situation is not like you said this is not a life sentence you True. know what the kids are roasting you at school for having Payless shoes on or Payless ain't even around no more, but kids are roasting you for having non-name brand shoes on, for having shacks on or whatever. Yeah. When you get older and you get your degree or when you get older and you start your business or you get your credentials or whatever licenses and you get that really good job, all that stuff that happened as a kid, it won't even matter no more. That's true. And like you said, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that are not satisfied where with where they are currently mm-hmm. and that whether that's you know, in their career, maybe no one's listening to their podcast, right. maybe no one's listening to their music, maybe, um, you know, they're at the bottom of this totem pole at their job. There, There is a way, there's a path to be successful in any field. And no one is going to give you the game, you know, unless somebody loves, you know, unless, you know, I, like I have older cousins and stuff that give me advice and whatnot. And, you know, I bounce ideas off of a lot of people. But for the most part, you're going to have to do the work yourself. Yeah. But you can do the work yourself. You know what I mean? We, uh, me and Eddie, one day we decided to do a podcast and we've been able to finagle this into a, a legit podcast. <laughs> Something <laughs> right. that people actually look forward to. A hundred percent. So, and, be, and prior to this, we were in a much different position in our lives. Yeah. So, and the podcast has kind of opened our minds and opened our, you know, broadened our horizons in a way to where, we know that this, you know, whatever current, whatever situation we were in three years ago or two and a, two and three fourths years ago, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot different. Yeah. Now, it's something that can start off as an idea that you are half, you know, you half believe in. But when you are consistent <clears throat> with it, it starts to become more of a reality of what it can become. Yeah. And it can start to become something, but it will never become anything if you're not willing to do the work. Yeah. Like in a moment of transparency, which is kind of it's, it's a little it's kind of not even do. a moment of transparency. It's two hour, two hours every week of transparency. A hundred percent. I mean, from a, a personal situation in my yeah. life. Right. Um, there was uh, it was years ago, but I remember I was I really start was digging this chick and I wanted to take her out. And I told her, hey, I want to meet you. We could link up here and do this and that. And she was she was very enthusiastic about it. I was like, wow. And, you know, she's pretty cute, whatever. So. I set up the date with her and then something happened like a bill I had to pay or something. And I was broke back then, like a motherfucker. So I didn't have no money and I didn't have no money to take her out. But instead of telling her the truth, like, hey, I'm broke. I can't take you out. I made up a lie to excuse myself because I was too embarrassed. I didn't have any fucking money. Mm. Right. Yeah. Now, if I and I I felt so horrible in that moment because we never linked up after that. I don't know. She, you know, because women, women ain't women got other guys that can take them out and do shit. Yeah, you know, and and <laughs> there's a lot of niggas out. Here. There's a lot of guys that want to take chicks out, and you know, I didn't have no money, so I mm-hmm. couldn't do shit. Mm-hmm. Um, never linked up with her again, and I just felt bad because it's like fuck. But I did the work on myself to where I didn't get put in situations like that anymore. Does that mean my life is perfect and everything is good now? Everything's not perfect. I still need work on myself as a man and in other facets of my life, but. You know, I did the work on myself to not be in that position anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because it felt fucking horrible. Yeah. You know, uh, in, in addition to times where, fuck, I don't got no gas money to get to work. Oh, fuck. 
hey Keith, you got five bucks. <laughs> you know yeah. Not a good feeling, man. You know. Yeah. But you are. It's not a life sentence to be there. And if if you're listening to this, whoever you are. I guarantee you there's something in your life right now you're not happy about. Yeah. Guess what? It's not going to fucking last forever, right? Just like like I mentioned being broke. Being broke is not it's not a problem. It's just being broke is temporary, right? It should be. Being broke is just a status. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being broke. There's something wrong with staying broke. Yeah. That's the difference. And and it may be a journey. You may have yeah. to, you, you got to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. I was broke for 27 years of my life. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It. I don't know though. I don't know about that though, because that's probably what you classify as broke. Yeah. But you still were doing shit. But, yeah, I was doing stuff. I just yeah. mean financially, like in, in a position where I was able to save money. Got you. Got able you. Able to help you, other people out when they needed it, and not you. be like really hurting. Um, but yeah, it took it took me a while to get out of that. Yeah. And it took it's it takes a, a long time to figure out how to just monetize you you as a human being and right and, and yeah and and saving and like all you know all the above and then also getting out of that um the rat race in a sense of a job and then like the rat race in a sense of like trying to keep up with the joneses or whatever like you know maybe i gotta have my shoes got to be like this person or maybe yeah. my car got to look like this or my, my phone got to be up to date just like this person but you know, you just get out of the way, you know, get out of your own way. And then, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it's just also too like where you are, people will can view it as a certain way. Like, oh, well, you know, he don't got this or she got this or he live with still with, live with his parents, this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's like at the end of the day, you act like your life was always to fuck together. You can't be standing on you can't be standing on this pedestal like your shit is just so fucking great. You haven't always been where you are. So if you're doing good, if you're doing good, think about the time you were living at your fucking parents. Think about the time where you were asking people for gas and money because you didn't have no fucking money. Right. But but the people that say those kind of things, things tend to be people that work a lot. Like they don't even enjoy Mm, what they're doing. Like I know people like that. It'd be like, you know, I pay my own bills. I do this. I do that. But they work in two jobs maybe yeah. they got a they got a cool apartment but essentially their life is built around making sure the lights stay on in that apartment there and making go. sure they pay their car note on time yeah it's kind of like it's i don't ever want to shortchange the word slavery but it's a form of it yeah it's like mental slave like you're you're like bonded to like you have to do this in order to maintain a lifestyle that you can't even fucking enjoy yeah so it's like, mm-hmm. don't be quick to down the next person, especially when somebody's trying to do something that they love, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of things, I was I was this guy, uh, this is podcast called A Roommate, shout out to Hafiz, but he was talking about how he was met, met up with this girl, he liked her a lot, and then eventually she introduced him to her parents, and they asked him what he did, and um, he said, yeah, I do uh, YouTube full time, and I do this, and you know, I'm bro- growing my platform, this and that, and he said they wasn't trying to hear it. I bet they was just basically like, yeah, you know, um, you know, they just like, yeah, he ain't got no job. He and they basically told her he ain't got no job. He just trying to leech off her and shit like that. And I was thinking like, yo, that's crazy. And this is the this is the way people think. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that firsthand, yeah. so I, I know. I yeah. know. Do you know how many pe- Do you know how many fucking comedians 
had horrible living situations before they blew up. You know how many homeless comedians live in Los Angeles right now? You know that Bobby Lee, the comedian Bobby Lee, he was living in a house with like eight people and a, and a runaway that was 16 years old that was addicted to methamphetamine. That was his living situation before he made the money he made now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, don't get caught up in looking at where a person is mm-hmm. and making it like they're not enough. You yeah. need to look at yourself and look at the time you need to keep. You had to keep asking your daddy for money, or the time where you didn't have a good place to sleep. That, yeah, uh, you got to also look at where a person's going, where the what where their trajectory is. Yeah, and it's it's what they're where they're going, but what type of work are they doing currently that, to right. get to where they're going? Right. Like if you if you if you're whomever your uh your daughter's boyfriend or your daughter's girlfriend comes in and. Um, and comes in and they basically say like, hey, this is what I'm doing for a living. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I make money by doing YouTube. Or I make money by doing mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, whatever the case may be. And But if they're coming in and you, if you look at their page and you see it every single yeah. day, then I'd be like, oh, okay, you there good, you, you go. good. But if it's just like one post from two years ago, right. one post, I'm just like, nah, you nah. ain't no YouTuber. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. Let's say I have a daughter and she's dating some guy and he's like an entrepreneur. And I'm like, mm. what I'm I'm not going to use snap judgment. I'm going to say, look, I raised my daughter this way. So I'm sure I trust her judgment. Right. Yeah. I trust her judgment that whoever she's talking to is a good guy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay attention to this motherfucker. I'll be like, OK, so you're an entrepreneur. And then I start seeing this guy and he's fucking selling um, computers and all kinds of shit. And he's making money un- un- unconventionally, but it's something that he's committed to, that he's busy doing all the time. Then I have to respect that guy. And I'm like, eventually this fucking dude's going to get his shit off the ground. You know what I mean? But most people be like, so um, so you ever thought about being a cop or something? Or you ever thought about doing something else? <laughs> you ever thought about doing something that has a pension? It's like, yeah, you, I, this the problem with people is they're too caught up in just wanting a job. A job doesn't equal happiness. It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm, mm-hmm. And I'm not shitting on anyone that has a job, but there's very few people in the world that do what they love. If there's a woman that does nails or she's an esthetician and she loves it, boom, then she's fucking living her dreams. Right. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you when she probably first started doing nails or fucking eyelashes, they was like, well, you ain't going to make no money doing that. That's mm-hmm. just nails or that's just eyelashes. You ain't going to make. That's a big business. You know how many women get their fucking nails done every day? How many women get their their eyelashes done? Hair. It's, their hair. Mm-hmm. It's beauty is a huge fucking industry. Mm-hmm. You make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. But if you listen to your aunt, she's like, no, you need to find another job. Try to be a teacher or something. <laughs> Try to be a you could be a firewoman instead of a fireman or something. It's all kinds of shit, man. That, I mean, that's that's the sad part that our, our mind always goes to that right. place. The reality is that most people aren't built to have a uh, to be an entrepreneur. No, but I feel like. The idea should be introduced to people, and mm-hmm. we shouldn't shun anyone that's doing it. One hundred percent. If they fail and they try, I, I had a friend, and I don't want to say his name, but I had a friend who uh, 
he tried to make this business work for like three years. And then he was like, yo, I, I had to shut it down and, you know, go, go back and get a real job so I can make some money. Yeah. But he didn't give up though. He just had to make some life decisions mm-hmm. to, um, you know, to pay his bills. But he right. was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to get back in it, you know, in a couple of years, I just got to get my money. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. And you're going to understand what I mean when I say this. Why is it that nobody nobody respects entrepreneurs, but they respect entrepreneurs? Think about Dang. it. Dang. Why did you, you? I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> we respect Jay Z. We respect yes. Diddy. All these guys. Yeah. But if uh, if I come up and I be, they be right. like, "Hey, where do you work?" And I'd be like, "Well, I do this. I, right. I you know, do this, 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 and this." And they'd yeah. be like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." Yeah, they they don't respect <laughs> Billy. They don't respect Billy, the entrepreneur that's 24 years old. That's you know, not only is he a barber, but he can make. Uh, this technology to give you a perfect uh, edge up on your hairline and mm-hmm. he sells this other stuff they just like oh okay but people don't first of all overall we said this a million times people don't respect you until you make it mm-hmm. along the journey they ain't giving a fuck they just like oh he's struggling he's gonna quit but then when you start to ascend in whatever you trying to do and people see that it's working then here they come like i always knew you was good at that you always been good at that mm-hmm. no motherfucker you're the same one that told me to get a job you thought i forgot about it motherfucker yeah. huh oh yeah people be projecting too <laughs> yeah you know, if they want to do something in their life and they yeah. see you actually attempting to do it they like nah can't do that yeah the, the, here's the thing you could be coming out with a brand and you're selling a shirt and your shirt could be 28 dollars, and they're like why how do, why does he think he can sell that shirt for 28 dollars? but then they'll go right inside the nike outlet and buy a shirt for 75 fucking dollars mm-hmm. this is what people do mm-hmm. they don't believe in you until you make it or until until you actually uh start to ascend in whatever it is it's mm-hmm. really annoying mm-hmm. but look man all i can tell you to be straight off from the point wherever you are is not a life sentence. You can always do better than where you are. It is just a temporary. It's just a moment. Yeah. It is just a moment. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, switching gears. Uh, the movie Soul. There's a movie called Soul that came out recently. It's a Pixar movie, um, starring Jamie Foxx as the main character and 22. Who was the 22? What character? Who's the character? Tina Fey. Tina Fey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tina Fey. Is that character? Um, it's a great fucking movie, man. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, the movie that we're gonna go over what we thought about it, but it's deep. <laughs> I don't even think the movie was meant for kids. Mm-hmm. I really don't because it's too deep for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically just saying like life is short. I think yeah. if I had to narrow down the primary message of the film is life is short. Mm-hmm. You know, and in between that life, you know. Y- y- you, you like we find our purpose in different ways mm-hmm. like each person is not meant to have a specific thing sometimes life in itself is just enough so it's it's extremely nuanced uh topics in the movie but it, i don't even know where to start it was so many jewels um what i could start off with is the main character uh what was his name again i forgot his name uh joe gardner joe gardner was the main character and he was a musician mm-hmm. basically he played the he's a pianist, pianist. he yeah. played the piano um and basically he was so fixated on uh, this one thing that mattered in his life which was playing the piano um he fixated he fixated on it so much based on the fact that he was pretty much failing across the board even in the thing that he loved which was playing a piano he was rejected many times from different places right mm-hmm. um and it got to the point to where, you know, 
he eventually uh, after he went from this audition where he actually made it, he was running, he was happy, and he fell into a fucking sinkhole. Yeah. So he falls into the hole, and um, he he basically he dies in that moment, and he's about to ascend to like heaven, right? There's this big bright light that he's going to, but he's like mad, like no, it's not time. So he kind of escapes that moment and jumps off this little like conveyor belt that's kind of taking him out to the light. Mm-hmm. And he falls into this space where there's a bunch of souls that haven't been sent to Earth yet. They're just a bunch of like uh, some babies, some babies, basically, that have mm-hmm. not been sent to Earth. Mm-hmm. And he's been to- uh, basically told to be a mentor. And during this mentorship, um, he finds out a lot about himself. The, the person that he's mentoring, which is uh, 22, the character. Um, he finds that uh, about him. Basically, they give him the wrong name at first. It was some guy that had passed away. Mm-hmm. They mixed it up somehow. And he looked at the guy's life. They put him in this. They put him and the, and the person he was mentoring in this room. And it showed this other dude's life. And the guy was accepting awards. And he was it's like smart. a trophy room of like all your memories, all your highlights, and mm-hmm. all the things that have happened in your life. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bunch of memories. And he said, "Wow, this guy's life was good." And then she basically says, "What about your life?" And then boom, they switch it, and it goes to uh, Joe Gardner's character, and it just showed a bunch of despair. Yeah, a bunch of rejection, a bunch of sadness, a bunch of judgment, a bunch of just a bunch of things that kind of held him back. Even sadness attached to the thing that he loved so much. Right. Like even the way he was introduced to the piano was like he was drug into Into a thing by his dad. And he was just like he found his 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 passion for it. But everything else surrounded by it, whether it was you know, practicing mm-hmm. or, you know, doing auditions and stuff like that. It was all connected to bad yeah. moments, bad moments and despair and pain. Mm-hmm. And finally, like uh, the 22 felt bad for him. She was like, oh, my goodness, I've never seen anybody with this. <laughs> this this sad before. And 22's character, her character is a, a person that is essentially stuck. She's like in limbo right. because in order to for the like the baby souls to uh, get dropped down to earth to become humans, they have to find a spark. Right. You know, and the, usually what happens is, uh, so one of the little baby things goes into this little, uh, this like showcase room and somebody will throw a soccer ball at him and then they bump it and be like, Oh my gosh, I love soccer. Or, right. you know, somebody will play music and they start dancing and it's like, right. Oh, then they find their spark. So right. what happened with 22 is that no, no one could figure out what was wrong with no her. One could, yeah. So she was there for centuries, like yeah. with mother Teresa and yeah. you know, freaking, <laughs> uh, Plato and all these different people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they all just gave up. Like, they, mm-hmm. they all just gave up. They couldn't help her out. Yeah. Um, and eventually um, what happens is, is he wants to get put back in his body. They meet this guy that's in like this middle world. I don't know what they called it, but they were almost in limbo and he was mm-hmm. on this ship. Right. And while they're on the ship, I guess they I forgot how he sent them down there. Mm-hmm. Or I think he opened that up was the, a person that she knew that that person could help him get to get uh, back to right right want it yeah right he's but, like a sailor yeah like a sailor mm-hmm. yeah he's sailing through like this big sea of like lost souls mm-hmm. right so they send them down and there's a picture well not a picture but they're basically this is joe gardner he's hooked up in icu and there's a cat sitting on his lap and then joe gardner's soul jumps in too fast and he ends up being in a cat 
<laughs> and 22 mm. ends up being in his it body. Yeah. So during that time throughout the movie, they end up like having these moments where they they're they're just figuring it out mm-hmm. and they're figuring and they're teaching each other lessons through each other's bodies. Yeah, because um, she's basically was talking to a barber that he goes to a lot. And the barber starts unpacking all these moments that he actually want to be a veterinarian or whatnot. But the, cra- the before that, the right. crazy thing is he tried to preface that because being that Joe Gardner is the cat and, you right. know, and, the, and uh, 22 is Joe Gardner. Right. He's trying to like every scenario he's prefacing like. Right. Uh, 22. Like, hey, when we walk in here, don't talk much to these people because. You know, they're going to know it's not me or, you right. know, so, you know, interactions with his mom, whatever. So when he walks in, he's basically like, you know, gaming him up like, hey, don't say much outside of this. This person is going to be rude, all this, this and that. And then, right. you know, I'll let you finish. Right. No, that's great. Yeah. Because he did. He did preface. Hey, don't talk to him. So during during the sit down, during the uh, the haircut, they start having a conversation. But uh, 22 is obviously talking when uh, Joe Gardner, as the cat, did not want her to. But he starts just listening because. She is able to unpack things from basically get other people to unpack their lives. Basically, the, the barber wanted to be a veterinarian yeah. instead of a barber. And they start talking and they and then the whole um, the whole barbershop starts listening to all these. Everybody just tuned in to that, what she was saying, that what she was saying. And then before they left, there was a dude like uh, he said, hey, don't you got a gig tonight with so and so? I forgot her name, but. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody was standing outside the barber's house said, ah, he ain't going to do it. He ain't going to get it anyways, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically 22, who was in Joe Gardner's body, basically replied and said, oh, it's okay. He's just projecting because he's not happy with his life. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh. But what was awesome about this is like, this is the real world. This is why I feel like this movie was was targeting adults. I don't really think it was. It was too deep for kids to get. I think I think if you're a kid, you're not going to get the subtext of the movie, 100%. but you're going to get the movie. You're, you're going to understand the, like, you know, yeah, you know, you're going to stand a, like a surface level version. Of right. It. You're going to get the tone of it. But the the, the deeper layers of the movie are going to be a little bit over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened. And but I, even with that, with the interaction with the barber, um, kind of going back to that Joe Gardner, not one in 22 to have a conversation right. with him. Um. The barber reveals so much information about his personal life. Right. And then they were kind of like um, Joe Gardner as the cat was kind of like scratching his head. Like, why is he saying all these things? But mm-hmm. what what the barber was saying was like, yo, every time you come in here, we only talk about music. We don't talk about nothing else. You don't really ask me no questions about anything. Right. And he's like, this is because basically he said that he wanted to be a veterinarian instead of uh, being a barber. A barber. And yeah. Joe Gardner just assumed that was his passion. That was his spark. But that wasn't right. even the case. It wasn't even the case. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. And it, it just shows you like, you know, basically in that moment or in that scene, it's like, Hey, don't be so cut off. Yeah. You know, start having these conversations with people, you know? And, and the thing about it is we don't do that. Or I think, you know, I think the, that was an interesting part of the story. Cause I think I fall victim to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes like you, um, you, you get so caught up in chasing your dream that, you know, when you talk to certain people, that's all you talk about. You don't, you don't actually talk about what they want to do with their life and how their relationship is going and stuff right. like that. Um, so I think moving forward for me, I'm trying to make it a point to where I just 
you know, just ask people what they want to do with their life or how, right. you know, how they're doing or, you know, what struggles are they dealing with kind of thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. That was definitely a powerful scene. Um, also, um, he was going down the street afterwards and he, uh, ripped his pants. And I think the only, the only one that could fix the, his pants was his mom. So he's like, damn, but what ended up happening is is 22 obviously was still in Joe Gardner's body and they had to visit their visit his mom and his mother was highly crucial of his career choice she didn't cuz so prior to all that Joe Gardner got a gig playing with like this top flight jazz musician right. he auditioned for it and he got the gig um and then he was supposed to come back with a suit later on right so and all of this happened um in his Joe Gardner's mom didn't know that he was going to do this because right. Joe Gardner also got offered a full-time position um, teaching, teaching music full-time. And him being a passionate musician, he's like, no, I don't want to teach music full-time. I want to trace my dream as far as being right. a real musician. And then all that led up to, you know, what you're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And basically prior to, prior to all that, you know, because there's a lot in this movie, you know, she was obviously not very supportive of him doing that. She felt mm-hmm. it was a waste of time. And she was happy that he actually had a full time job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, later on, he ripped his pants and he's like, oh, I got to go to my mom's, you know. So he eventually went there and 22 was was in his body, obviously. And they started talking. And during that moment, he found out, like, even though she was very crucial, uh, I can't remember exactly what she was say- saying to his mom. But uh, she basically Dang, I forgot what he said. I forgot what she said. Because at first, Joe Gardner was talking in her ear, basically telling yeah, her, telling what, to her say. what to say. That's right. And then eventually it switched to 22. Yeah. Um, and the reason 22 is so wise and why she captivates people with her speaking is because she was around for so long. Right. She was around, like I was saying, Mother Teresa and Plato and these philosophers and these super geniuses. And she's consumed all this information from there being around go. them. So when she's talking to people, she got so much. She understands psychology and all right. these different things. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. has more wisdom than, mm-hmm. than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And during that moment, he just said, you know, you know, uh, that he felt that he was a failure. Yeah. And she said, you're not a failure. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, I said, I'm proud of you. And eventually what happened is she gave uh, him the suit that his father had. Yeah. And, you know, it just showed that, like, if you're willing to communicate your feelings, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you're going to get a real emotion out of people. So she got him that suit. He went and did that show. Um, And I don't want to flash forward too much. Prior to the show, actually, they had met that guy that was flipping that pizza sign or that that sign. Yeah, he's a sailor. The sailor guy. Mm -hmm. But he was in an alt like an alternate. Well, basically, it was the same guy. Right. He was standing outside like freaking like the Joker. Right. He's twisting that sign. Spinning around. that thing around. Mm-hmm. And um they were supposed to meet up to, you know, have their souls swap back. Yeah. Um, and 22's character was like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And in that moment prior to that, uh, she was sitting there and like this little leaf flew from a tree and it fell in her hand and it's like those I forget what they're called they, they but those spin little around. things that yeah yeah they fall like a she, helicopter almost yeah and it landed in her hand and it just was a spark yeah and it was just like life the simple <laughs> things mm-hmm. like it doesn't always have pizza also pizza also she loved pizza yes she loved pizza mm-hmm. and you know just nature like we always we always think that people need to have a passion to be a whole person which mm-hmm. is is completely false 
Yeah. There are some people that are just they're they're passionate and, and they just have this love of life and the small things like pizza and company. And it just talking to people. Talking to people. Mm-hmm. And and it just basically her purpose was just living. Yeah. I think that um, like one of the big themes in there was like this idea of like passion versus purpose. Right. Right. And I feel like the reason why the movie resonated with me so much is because like I'm such a a passionate person. And Mm -hmm. I I do think I have my purpose, but I'm such a passionate person that I miss out on a lot of those things. Like Mm -hmm. I don't stop and smell the flowers and like every now and then I'll admire the sky and stuff like that. Um, But for the most part, I'm so focused on business and trying to make things work, the podcast and and all these different things that I I don't really take the time to just sit down and breathe. And one of the things that used to uh, bother me is like hearing certain people's conversation. And I'd be like, yo, like, you know, time is, time is short. Like life is short. We don't, we don't know when we're going to be gone. Like, why are we talking about frivolous things? But at the same time, like, if somebody wants to discuss like the new shoes that come out or, you know, their favorite food or whatever, like that's the type of stuff that slows us down. Right. right, That's like the equivalent of like a quarantine where everybody got to sit back and really like, that's all we have. We don't, we can't go to work. So we just only can admire the sky. We, you know, we got to go on walks. We got to, you know, get out and, and, and smell, you know, the fresh air outside, you know right. what I mean? So, and that's one of those things where, like, like I said, it resonated with me. And, you know, I said this on the podcast before, but, um, I think part of my, so like part of my work ethic and part of my, the reason why I am so focused on, on business and stuff like that is because when you come from nothing and you want to get to something yeah, yeah. like you almost have to have a whole, you know, 180 yeah. in the, in the way you think. Yeah. But that, you know, even, even in that, that's not the greatest thing in the world. So right. I think the most important thing that I took from the movie is like balance. A hundred percent. And and not to go straight from the movie, but I think you have a little bit more of a responsibility when you grow up poor, because when you grow up poor and you're trying to do better for yourself, you're also trying to break a generational curse. So you have the burden of doing that also, as well as just trying to better yourself. Yeah. Breaking the generational curse means you want to put yourself in a position where you can take care of a family. Yeah. That shit ain't easy, mm-hmm. you know, to change the, the, the trajectory of your kids, your lineage. You have to do more. We're trying to do we trying to do stuff that no we don't know anyone that is actually doing. Right. We're trying to make movies. We're trying to do podcasts. We're trying to do podcast tour. We're trying to yeah. sell podcast merchandise and all this kind of stuff. It's like ain't nobody doing that. Nah. So that's why, you know, we are like that, but at the same time it's you know, it's important because you yeah. don't want to you don't want to miss out on life. Yeah. You could rob yourself of certain experiences if yeah. you're way too focused on the goal or yeah. you know um now i don't want to flash forward too much but it was basically a scene where they had eventually a switch back into their body mm-hmm. and he and a uh, joe gardner came down he played in that concert and that uh and the little uh, the little uh, uh i want to say a concert but whatever it was mm-hmm. and he played in a concert and he played a piano he played his ass off he did a great job and at the end he was standing outside and the the woman that was a jazz musician she said We'll see you again tomorrow, same time. And then he was just kind of like shocked, like and stunned. He's like, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life and it doesn't feel feel the way I thought it would. 
It felt real regular. It felt real regular. Mm-hmm. And it's because like <laughs> it wasn't what he thought it was. Mm-hmm. And he felt that there was a deeper purpose. So after that, she said some quote and I forget what forget it was. What said, it was yeah. an analogy about fish in a in a ocean or something. I forget what it was. Yeah, it's like put a fish in a in a in a in a put a fish in a bowl and they want this, but you yeah. put them in there, they want the ocean. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And the people that I see in the movie know what I'm talking about. But yeah, yeah. it was kind of one of those moments where it's just like it's it, it kind of just put things into perspective for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um so ultimately, um, it just wasn't what he thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's like you fight so hard to get to that moment. And it's not about the moment. It's about the journey. Yeah. That's facts. another thing. That's another thing I picked up from it. And kind of going back to what Russ said, I yeah. sent you that, that video. And mm-hmm. like it was so timely because yeah. he, did a, he did an interview with B-Dot. And he said, basically, like, you know, Russ is selling out tours. And, you know, now he has platinum records, gold records mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, he's so focused on the next thing or whatever that he doesn't really take time to, you know, yeah. look at what he what he came from. Drop from dropping eleven flopped albums to, you know, now selling out Staples Center. Yeah. Like you know, you you kind of you kind of lose sight of of you know your path, and you don't really enjoy each moment. Yeah, yeah. He said everything I wish and I prayed for, I have now. But he said you will lose. You will lose certain moments being too focused on the goal. Facts. You know? Yeah. That's something that I'm realizing myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. You'll be missing out on. And sometimes what's sad about people is it's, it's amazing to have goals or to have a purpose. But what happens is you miss out on all the things in between. It's some people that work so hard. They never seen their kids first steps or they never God seen. Damn. You know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. never seen. They never knew that their kid was good in football. They never knew that, you know, they, they wife had lost 15 pounds and they forgot to give her a compliment when she changed her hair. Like all kinds of shit that you miss out on when you over when you overemphasize on things. Yeah. And you have to find a balance. Yeah, that's I think that's the most difficult part of life for people that are chasing their dreams. Um, as it's one of those things, even for me, like I've experienced it on like a small scale. Like for me, I've say like this year, I saved up more money than I probably ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I look at my my bank account, it doesn't it doesn't even excite me. Should, and yeah. I can't even admire the accomplishment because I'm like, yo, I need to get this number bigger. I need mm-hmm. to add another zero to that. I need to add another comment to that. So it's like, it's one of those things where I, you know, I myself like, and then that's a beautiful thing about art and especially the medium of, of movies. I think it teaches us so much, yeah. um, so much that a lot of other mediums can't. Right. Like even with music, music teaches us a lot. You know, you have a lot of super impactful songs like this is America and what's going on and stuff like that. Right. But a lot of times we get lost in the bop. You yeah. know what I mean? We dance into it. So we don't really hear what they're saying. What they're but saying. There when you're you watching a movie, you have to listen to people talk. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you something. I don't give a fuck if you got $58,000 in your bank account. Don't you forget when you had $3. Yeah. You know what I mean? And don't forget. Don't forget what who you were when that was going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get kind of lost in the sauce sometimes. I seen a guy and I, this is this it just an, an annoying thing that. They playing some loud Spanish music over there. Yeah. But um at this guy, it was at this little this little uh New Year's Eve thing, 
And this dude was like, he basically he's one of these EDD scammer guys. Oh God! And he just in there like, yo, I I was supposed to go to the strip club tonight, but you know what I'm saying? I don't know what happened. These hoes don't want to show up or something. He said, yeah, I got I got two thousand dollars in ones right here. I'm ready to throw it, but don't nobody want this money? Don't. And he all on people's live flashing money oh, and God. stuff like that. And I'm just like, yo, this is so trash. I don't even know where I was going with that, but that just got on my nerves when I seen that dude. Yeah, but I, th- I think what it is, a lot of it is, is you're you're playing a character because you've never you never really had shit. Yeah. So a lot of people that don't have shit, once they get any level of money, they feel like they need to really you zero. You gotta show you it. You gotta show mm. it. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. Was, I was not. In, I mean, I don't know why he thought that I would be impressed by it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be impressed if you had a hundred thousand dollars. I would think you're a fucking idiot for showing it. Yeah, like you showing a hundred thousand dollars during a quarantine when people mm-hmm. ain't got money. Mm-hmm. So if 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 I went and followed you to your car and I'm just a regular Joe Blow, I could literally beat you up and take your money and there ain't shit you could do about it. Yeah, I've seen that. When I when I was in New York, like somebody was in the it was like this this hookah bar type right. um, restaurant thing. Some dude was in there just counting money at the table. Mind you, it's kind of dark, low lights because it's like a hookah bar. But low lights in there just counting money, stumming through hundreds, and then literally they walk outside. Dude get robbed, and then next thing you know, is a whole ambulance and fire and shots was fired and yeah, stuff like it's that. Fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to stray too far from the topic. Basically. Um, there is a scene in the in this movie also where there's a bunch of there's a dude that's on a boat. He's selling it. He's selling his boat through like this this dark space. And there's a bunch of what they call lost souls. And they're like these characters, like these little circular, weird looking characters that look really dark and they look like sloths almost. Except they're yeah, they look like little creatures. They're not dead, they're, but they're not really alive. They're not dead, but they're not really alive. And yeah. what they symbolize, he said, basically they're they're. They're doing things to distract themselves from their reality. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fuck, that shot out to me because that showed me all the people. And I'm not talking shit about people that smoke weed. But if you got to be high 24-7, you're high, you're running from something. Mm-hmm. If you have to be drunk 24-7, you're running from something. So a lot of people are hiding from their reality by staying drunk, staying at bars and clubs and doing shit and staying in toxic situations because they're hiding from their reality. And and those creatures represented a lot of people in America because there's so many people that don't have any purpose in life and they love staying in that world. And it's really sad when you see these little creatures, you just like, oh, God, you just feel bad for them. It was even a guy that was working. Just sitting at a freaking computer, just typing away, right? Just going through the motions, right? Mm-hmm. He was, yeah. Oh, that was a powerful scene in the movie. He mm-hmm. was sitting there typing on the computer, and it's like he just snapped out of it. Mm-hmm. I guess what, what he was got in the zone, I think it was, mm-hmm. and then he snapped out of it, and then he basically grabbed his laptop and all that stuff, and he, he just, just started did. knocking it over. Yeah, and he said, "I'm out of here. I'm free. I'm free." Yeah, yeah. And I forgot what had happened in the other world, but he just got up and he was like, he's like "He don't got to work no more. I got to work no more. I'm mm-hmm. out of here." Mm-hmm. Right. I'll tell you something. For me, I would equate this to uh, to myself in a way, but differently. I feel like I reached the crossroads in my life when I got around 29 years old. I'm like, yo, I'm not making any fucking money. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when the new year it hit back in 2000, 2014. 
And I was like, man, I'm not making any money. I don't really know where my future's going. I don't, you know, my credit's fucked up. All Like, all this shit's going bad for me right now. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I want to be somebody. You know, I don't know what's what's going to happen, but I got to do something, right? Yeah. And that propelled me to make a change in my life and just fucking say, fuck it. I'm just going to go uh, get my CDL and see where that takes me, right? And it, it led me down this journey to you know, being my higher self. I'm not my higher self yet, but I'm still working on it. And my life is a lot better than what it was. But it, it took like this. I don't know, like I don't say this spark, but it took this thing inside of me that was like intrinsically motivated for mm-hmm. me to fucking say, fuck this. I got to figure this shit out. Yeah. And some people don't. Most people don't have that. I'm not making it like I'm special, but at the same time, there's not a lot of people that find anything wrong with what they're doing, even when they're not doing shit. They just complain about their lives, but they don't actually do any actionable things to change that. Mm-hmm. So I think this movie captured that. It, it captured some levels of mental health because at the very end, when he wanted to give her that Earth, that Earth star, she could go to Earth. She basically swallowed him and showed her all of her experiences. You know, all her, all these people saying people are talking down, talking down. So you'll never be here. Nobody likes being around you, you know, and and basically um, he was able to to blow up that whole idea by just letting her know how valuable she was. One one thing that I took from that, too, is like one that we had this or two things. One, we have to speak life into people and then i think it's important for us not to give up on especially kids there you go because you know i feel like it's as as adults and you know whatever mentorship or teaching um uh job or whatever that we have Mm -hmm. um or even parents we have to you just got to keep trying because that girl had so much potential but because some a lot of people just didn't understand her you know, she was never even going to reach Earth. And yeah. it took Joe Gardner, a person that maybe his life was worse than hers or right. whatever, to to really mesh and to really get her to uh, find her spark. Instead of finding somebody that could help her, she needed somebody that can help, that she can help and can be helped by. She, th- that she was, like, you, like I was saying, she was uh, almost like in a better position then. Right. So they had like, that's what, and this is like some technical stuff about movies. A lot of times the uh, the protagonist and um, some of the supporting cast, they need each other. All right. You know, like Joe Gardner is weak in certain areas and 22 is weak in certain areas. So essentially by the end of the movie, it should be flipped. So the weaknesses that he had, he's figured out. And then the weaknesses that she had, you know, they're fig- she figures her stuff out. So, yeah, I told Keith, man, not not much in my mood by movies. But I felt I was so captivated by this film, I had to give him a call just just because a lot of the conversations we had on this podcast over the years, it was just it was covered. And they just they did it in such a masterful way, man. Just, you know, um, just I think that the the most important thing they did in that movie is they use death. Yeah, I think by using death in a movie, that's sending a direct message to people mm-hmm. that life is temporary. Right. And people don't get it how temporary life is. I don't care if you live 75, 80 years. That's not very long. And the way he died was like 
It wasn't, and yeah. it, it shocked me as a viewer. I'm like, right. dang, he can't be dead. Like, this right. must be. But yeah, that's real. That's really how it goes. They got and the right crazy part, think the crazy thing about it is he died chasing his, like, well, on a high from his dream. Right. So kind of going back to that idea that he never stopped and smelled the flowers, or he never mm-hmm. was able to really admire pizza and all these different things. Like he walked himself right into a freaking sinkhole or uh, a pothole or whatever, and he just fell to a sewer. Yeah. Yeah. So what I what I take, uh, what's your takeaway that you like? If you had to narrow it down, what was your takeaway from the film? Um, uh, the the biggest thing that I took away was that passion uh, versus passion versus purpose. I think there's a lot of people out here, um, a lot of people that we know that are passionate about acting, passionate about stand up, passionate about podcasting, passionate about music, but. I don't think a lot of these people have found their purpose and I can pinpoint and I know my friends that have found their purpose. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain people that are um, like my boy Blue. He has a Breaking Chains Academy where he wants to right. get back to the youth and he's trying to open up a center for the youth to, you know, get help with college and education and things like that. And a couple other my friends that are really doing, you know, doing the work and trying to help people. I think those are purpose driven people. But. I think the majority of the people I know are just passion driven people and yeah. that's going to fizzle out. Yeah. Yeah. I have the pretty much the same takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, um, don't, don't forget, don't forget the journey that led you up to where you don't forget. Basically don't forget to, uh, I, I had a fucking brain fart. That's <laughs> what it sucks about being 35. You have this <laughs> amazing idea that's popping up in your head, and then all of a sudden you think about some shit that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You'd be like, basically, hash browns. <laughs> like, God damn it, these fucking hash browns. <laughs> yeah, great that's film. I, I have the same takeaway as Keith. Um, yeah. I strongly suggest you watch the movie Soul. And what's also pretty dope is it's got a it's got a black leading character. So I think yeah, it's the first Pixar movie yeah, with a black lead. with a black leading character. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. And and, people and see, my bad to cut ahead, you off, but as far as like, I don't think I think uh, voice actors are underappreciated, right? And I think just from the voice acting perspective, Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey did like really oh, good jobs. Oh, amazing! Good. Yeah. Oh, amazing! There was a there was a line in the movie. I started laughing, but I was like, "Wow, this definitely can't be a kid film." <laughs> he said, "Why you sound like a, a, a middle aged white woman?" <laughs> you caught that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was mm-hmm. hilarious. And it was just a play off of Tina mm-hmm. Fey's character. Mm-hmm. He said, and she's like, I can sound like anybody. Yeah. And then he switched to, <laughs> switched yeah. To, yeah. yeah that's that was hilarious. Great film, though, man. I suggest everyone watch it. Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing that, like, inspires me as a you know, aspiring filmmaker. Like, yo, like, you can, that's my thing, like, about putting real messages into entertaining films. And I think they did that perfectly. And, the, you know, like I said, like, the that being like the first Pixar movie with a lot of black people and a black uh, leading cat or leading character. That's Donnell like, Rollins is in the movie. Donnell Rollins the was in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I was like, eh, everybody did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Who else was in that movie? I'm thinking about, damn it. It was some other people in there too. But yeah. Yeah. I want to beat it over the head. All right. Let me pull that back up. All right. Mm-hmm. Switching gears. Uh, Switching gears, uh, Master P and Baron Davis can potentially buy Reebok. Um, this is a huge deal. 
Um, not a whole lot to say, but geez, imagine. Um, Master P and Barry Davis could purchase Reebok for $2.4 billion U.S. dollars. Um, according to reports, hip-hop mogul Master P and former NBA All-Star Baron Davis are in talks to buy Reebok. The reports go on to note that the duo could acquire the iconic footwear brand from Adidas for $2.4 billion U.S. dollars. Speaking to Forbes, Master P said, as we focus on turning Reebok into a lifestyle brand, not just a basketball brand, our most important initiative, initiative uh, will be to put money back into the community that built this company. Master P and, and Davis aim to give smaller footwear companies a chance to be distributed by Reebok and offer a platform for African-Americans to own a piece of the athletic footwear and, and apparel pie. The latest news of Adidas looking in to sell the brand it, uh, it acquired 15 years ago from after a Q2 2020 earnings report that revealed the revenue generated by Reebok was down 42% amidst the coronavirus pandemic. Fuck, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah, uh, reports are nothing Reports are nothing that Adidas aims to finalize a sale by March 2021 with China's Anta Sports and VF Corporation, which owns Timberland, Vans, and, North, and the North Face, also vying to own Reebok. Wow. What I could say is this. I think that whenever you see uh, black men or people or black people or black men in stature or black people in general trying to buy something huge, people say, what does it have to do with them being black? I just I'm I'm so tired of seeing these articles, black people buying things. What's the big deal if they're being black or white? It doesn't matter. It does matter because throughout American history, a lot of black people have been denied wealth. Why do you think that most of these companies are owned by people that are not of color? It's because systemic racism from way back in the day is still affecting the landscape now. Yeah. And which what I mean by systemic racism is based on the fact of things such as redlining, which did not allow black people to have wealth in the housing market. And also things such as segregation that kept black people out of certain spaces. So even these are things, things that happened way back then. The only way to build wealth in certain spaces uh, retroactively is for black people to own these huge corporations such as uh, Byron Allen, who now uh, uh, what's the weather, the weather channel, the weather channel. Mm-hmm. like these things are ridiculous. But you never for some reason, you never see black people in these positions of extreme power. There are no black NFL owners. How is the NFL what like almost 70 percent black, but there's mm-hmm. no NFL owners. Mm-hmm. This is a re- this is a reflection of systemic racism. And if you don't care to listen to what I'm saying or it's too much for you, just do the research yourself. Fuck what I'm saying. Do the research yourself and see why there's no black people that actually own these huge like conglomerates or businesses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal because um the the thing that's great about it is that Master P is one of these people that if you listen to his interview interviews and you don't really and you aren't really familiar with his his history and his business acumen, you may think he just be talking. Right. But he's he's been saying a lot of this stuff like, yo, we need to own this. We need to, like, you know, he had the he had the, the packages noodles. Yes. You know, and he had his own shoes and a lot of these different things. And maybe his uh, his mind was in a further position than where he physically was. But now him um, potentially being able to purchase Reebok, first of all, that adds a a certain level of cachet to to the brand now. Like I'm sure he'll be able to recruit different athletes um, and bring it back to the, you know, the prominent position and 
you know, back when they had Allen Iverson and you right. know they were one of the leading cleat sellers and they had their Reebok emblem on jerseys and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, just having Master P and Baron Davis walk into a meeting, that's going like yeah. really, you know, make people look up whenever they when it's Reebok going in there. But, uh, you know, and, and like you said, just black ownership because one thing that he said Master P said also is they've been making money off of us for years yeah Allen Iverson everyone had those shoes yes um so now if you you know if you have a black person at the helm of these things we're able to eat on multiple different levels right not just being the athlete that's selling that's actually doing all the work you're able to you know have the owner that's getting a cut of that pie also. Yeah, right. I, I think that when you think of the the bit large, biggest consumers, they happen to be black people in America. Yeah. So it's it's really and what's crazy is 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 black people have enough buying power to make a brand huge, but they don't have the power to actually run that same business. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like you hear of the words like you hear of things like black Twitter. You in the way that black Twitter is brought up, it's almost as if black Twitter is its own thing when it's not. It's based off Twitter. Yeah. Can you imagine if black Twitter was its own thing? Yeah. Remember I texted you? Right. I don't get too much into it, but yeah. Yeah, I was just like, you know. Why, That's, it's crazy. Why not? Mm-hmm. When you think about memes, black. Go ahead. Just, just thinking about social media. Like right. We don't have a stake in social media. Zero. And we run social media. Like we're yeah. always, especially Twitter, like whatever cool topic is out there. Like you see black people at the forefront of the funniest memes yeah. and, you know, the funniest or the most clever things to say. Um, Instagram as well. Right. Not so much TikTok. TikTok is like a weird, I don't want to say it's weird, but it's like, like predominantly like white people dancing and stuff. But um, <laughs> but the songs that they're dancing to is ran by us. So yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Now, I think like when you when it comes down to like hip hop culture or whatnot, mm-hmm. it's considered to be hip or cool or in, mm-hmm. and these things are shared amongst all kinds of people. Like you talk about like memes, like the first people to like create memes, I believe they were talking about it was black people. Mm-hmm. So it's like these memes being shared all over the internet, like even the twisted t shit that's been coming up. Yeah, like comedy. It, it's comedy, mm-hmm. but it's like the people aren't being paid for this shit. Yeah. There's one dude, I think there's one guy that started off a meme page and he makes a lot of money off it. There, It was uh, called American Meme that was on uh, Netflix. And there was a guy that created a meme account. I think he still has it. I forgot his name. But he makes a shitload of money off it. A black dude? Uh, no, it's a white guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I was I was having a conversation with Desmond and I was we were talking about Worldstar Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, man, I'm like low key disappointed because they had an opportunity to be um, a a YouTube owned by a black man. Mm -hmm. But it got away from whatever. Now it's just it's just a play. It's just real ratchet, you know, as far as like fights and fights and shots. Yeah. But, you know, just the platform or the medium and the brand, um, if they stole some uh, some YouTube people and then maybe paid them a higher percentage of the ad revenue or something like that. Who knows where Worldstar could have been in his yeah. own by It's just man. a trip. It's just a trip, man. There's not enough. There's not enough of the um, Tyler Perry's in the world. There's not enough Jay Z's in the world. There's not enough. There's not enough of these people in the world for us mm-hmm. to say black people are making strides. Like we only represent thirteen percent of the country, but the wealth. This the like hardly none of the wealth. Yeah. Just like consumers of things that we literally could own. That's why, like in regards to um, 
being an entrepreneur or anything like me and Keith, like really want to own everything we do. We don't want to be owned regardless of what this podcast goes. They're like, hey, man, we want to offer you guys um, $275,000 a year each to do this, do this podcast on our platform. I don't care if it's Barstool, whoever it is. You got to turn that check down because you want all of our intellectual property. You want to own us. That model is dead. I'd rather just keep working my job as a truck driver and own everything. If you want to pay me $275,000, I know that this shit's worth over a million. Mm-hmm. And I can get that on my own. It may take me another five years, but I'd rather take the long route. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There's that. Um, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I think it's just, a, it's just a dope thing. And I hope it, I hope it really pans out um, because I said there was a, they were in talks of doing it. But mm-hmm. I hope it really pans out because... It's it's kind of one of those things, and we and we we need these examples in the world. Like right. Jay Z has that line, like Domino, Domino, to higher uh, higher go. Something I forgot, yeah, but basically you, speaking about you blew that, Keith. Go ahead. Yeah, I butchered that. But the the idea is that you know the more and more he becomes successful, he only sees mm. elite black people like Oprah and mm. and Will Smith. But he's saying that he wants more and more people to go. Um, so. Basically, when when a guy like Master Pete enters that realm Mm. and, you know, and that will automatically increase his net worth and all these kind of things. It's just another example for us as aspiring businessmen and women to look up to and be like, yo. Yeah. Yeah. You think about the wealth gap, too. Chris Rock had a joke where he says, I work all my life and work real hard and move to this real nice area. And he's like, my next door neighbor is a dentist. Mm-hmm. Since I worked my whole life to ne- live next door to a dentist, somebody that mess with teeth or living, yeah. it's crazy. They said it's, it's just a white guy that's a dentist. Yeah, <laughs> I was busting up laughing because mm-hmm. it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they probably a dentist to the fucking celebrities or something. Yeah, or you know, just a certain Hollywood dentist or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. some dentists are just ridiculous. They could cut your whole mouth out and put a whole new mouth. <laughs> like goddamn, chisel jaw now. Yeah, yeah. You got Brad Pitt's jawline now. <laughs> I, but what? Uh, I have a question. What if there was a business that you could bring back, like? Somebody, something that maybe is uh, went under, or something that's not as popular anymore. Um, what? What? I have an idea. If you, you said if you a business, want me to go. yeah, business, a brand, whatever. Um, I have an idea. If you want to, well, let me go first. You can go first, but I have one. Go ahead. Oh, uh, go ahead. Uh, I say Blockbuster. I was gonna say that. <laughs> I'm mad you said that. Yeah, I say that because now you have an opportunity to see where the model is. You know where it went and how you could like you can sell nostalgia still. Facts. So you can actually find a way to keep. I don't know. You could find a way to market a product to people and also keep that nostalgia because nostalgia yeah. is selling. Like that, yeah, they sell Nintendo systems in WalMarts and shit all over the place. So it's like, why can't you know? Why shouldn't you? you why shouldn't you be able to somehow market this product to other people? I think blockbuster yeah. work. Yeah, I, I was I was about to say that, but um, the thing about it too is that. They're definitely selling nostalgia, but Blockbuster's brand is as far as, um, 
you know, failed businesses, Blockbuster is probably one of the ones that is still relevant because the the medium has just changed. Now it's yes. on the, the Internet and streaming and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But Blockbuster, it just it just had a huge impact where you can physically walk into yes. a store. You can rent a game for two days. Yes. You can rent a movie for, you know, a weekend or something like that. And we have as, you know, people our age and millennials, we have so many memories yeah. as far as going in there. So if I like if I had that opportunity, like Master P and Baron Davis, like I would do that, like have the nostalgic thing, but then also start competing with the streaming services. Yeah. Like your brand is strong enough to where if you touch blockbuster streams or whatever brand or whatever you name it or whatever, um, and then you start to give a little bit of money to real content creators, like mm-hmm. they they right back in the game. I don't know how you would modernize uh, Blockbuster. There's there's certain ideas that would probably be um, out there that you would. I mean, who knows? You probably have a drive through in that motherfucker. They probably could sell popcorn and nachos through the drive through. You get your DVD or whatever vi- movie you're gonna watch. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But you would have to modernize it in a way because if Maybe you think like. Maybe like a code or something like it still has everything set up in there. Mm. But instead of uh, getting a physical DVD, you may get like a, a activation code for 24 hours like Amazon mm. or something. Yeah, that, that's definitely that's definitely. Yeah, because you still get to walk in there and really enjoy it and buy popcorn and all that good stuff. Yeah. I, I wonder what would happen like if they could pull a McDonald's on you, like almost like they have like stores, like almost like 7-Eleven. Except you probably have codes where you buy the DVD and then you get like this percentage off of this popcorn and these nachos and this, this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know there's a way to revamp. Oh, Blockbuster. for sure. There's definitely a way to do that's, it. That's like, is I feel so strong about that. Right. Like, if there's I had one that's money, still around. There's only one. Yeah. It's yeah. Oregon. If I had the money, I would definitely. And that's that's going to be the great thing. Like we're, when we get to where we want to go. And we can acquire a, a, a brand or mm-hmm. a company and be like, yo, I still see potential in this. But mm-hmm. whoever's running it, it may be tired and yeah. they may not have the foresight to really, see, yeah. you know, start, you know, making uh, new acquisitions or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. You know? I miss I miss a lot about Blockbuster because growing up as a kid, especially growing up in the in the in the 80s and the 90s. And you go in and Blockbuster and you just remember the smell of popcorn. Yeah. And you see the candy sitting at the register and you fucking, because uh, they did make popcorn. Am I, am I tripping? I don't know if they made I don't it. I they made it. I'm but I think the they had the little buckets they had at the, the front. They did have the little, mm-hmm. yeah. So you, you, or they had, they definitely sold it too. They I think sold you could it. buy the little one-off wrapper or the one-off little Yeah. Bags. You could like still smell it though. Mm-hmm. Um, you could rent out a whole gaming system. They had yeah. it wrapped up in this big shroud. Oh, they had gaming? I don't remember yeah. gaming oh, systems. Oh, yeah. Especially Dang. in the 90s. They, they would come in this big old black box, and it would be yeah. either Super Nintendo or it would be like a regular Nintendo. And what would happen is you could rent it, and you would have to pay like, I don't know if it was like 100 or so dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. You rent it and then bring it back. You could rent out whole systems from Blockbuster in the 90s. That's a poor kid's dream. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, mom, like, especially if you're growing up. That's a good thing about it, too. Like, a lot of times, uh, you know, we would rent stuff because we couldn't afford to buy the DVD or the, yeah. the game. So for but, a weekend, like, we would go to my grandma's house, and then they'd be like, all right, go go down there. And then it'd be three or four of my cousins and uncles in there like, yo, should we get Tony Hawk or should we get, you know, NFL right. or should we get Madden or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you what they <laughs> ro- what, 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 we got robbed of convenience when we lost Blockbuster because now when you buy a video game and you don't like it, you can't just turn it in. 
Yeah. You're gonna get you're gonna get store credit for it, or they're gonna say, hey, well, you can't just turn it in because you buy don't a like digital it. Digital copy. Yeah. So what happens is is I mean, I'm, what I mean is you got robbed for convenience. Is that if you buy if you rent a game from Blockbuster and you didn't like it, you just returned it and you never physically had to buy it. Yeah. But now you just only have to fucking buy. You it. Gotta buy it. Yeah. But they do have the I guess the demo. That mm-hmm. they have on PS5 and they you can get it digitally, yeah. but it's still not the game game. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't want to be on this too long. Mm-hmm. Um, switching gears. Are you willing to change your mind with new information? I think what we what we do oftentimes is we we're so hell bent on having this opinion about something that we kind of like we feel like we're being fake by changing our opinion. And it's like, if if I say something and I feel like it holds weight and then you come out with a better idea, I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I actually agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes it takes you being um, you. It, it takes a certain amount of maturity to do that, that most people don't have. I think people like to hold on to opinions too long. Like you can change your mind. Like you literally can change your mind with new information. Like even if it's with. um with the coronavirus, if you if it first started and you said, oh, this isn't hurting anybody, nobody's dying from this. And then you start saying more people are dying and you say, you know what? At first, I thought this wasn't that serious, but I'm starting to see more people pass away and I'm seeing more people that have it. So I, I would lean on the side saying that it is a, a something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. If you did that, it doesn't mean that, you know, that you're being fake or, you know, you're falling for this hoax. It just means that you're changing your mind with information and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, they they like to, and then what people do is they like to hold that over your head. Like, yeah. hey, remember you were saying that about right. this? And, you, you, and then you like, they rub it in your face. But right. for the for the people that are changing their mind, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Because yeah. what happens is more information comes out about certain subject matter. Or, you, you know, you may have been speaking from a place of ignorance initially. Exactly. And, you know, once you find out more information, I think the big thing and um, I guess a, a, a valiant thing to do in these situations is just to admit that. At one point I was ignorant. At one point I thought this way or, you know, in the in the case of COVID-19, you know, at one point you thought it was like a government conspiracy. And then you start to see people really passing away and then you you change your mind due to different research. But that's okay, You know, we see many people out here that um, learn learn new information or they just experience life. You know, the way I viewed um, certain things as far as relationships, the way I viewed, and I even spoke about things on this very podcast about how I used to look at, you know, family gatherings and, you know, wishing people was more business minded. But now I'm, I'm perfectly fine with saying like, yo, the way I was thinking was a little bit off. Right. And um, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. So. Yeah. Um, the thing too, is it's like the way, the way you think about and you see, you mentioned people throwing it up in your face. And it's like, yo, you mean you mean to tell me I have to be married to an opinion my whole life? Yeah. Like we just like we also have this problem where we don't believe people can change too. It's so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say for example, there was some white guy that was saying nigger 20 years ago and we like, he a racist. And then now, you know, the guy is not racist at all. He's changed his mind. He has mm-hmm. black friends and people that he cares about that are black and he doesn't subscribe to that anymore. But a lot of people are going to still call him a racist. 
They still yeah. gonna be like, man, he a racist, man. He said the N word twenty years ago. Yeah. I mean, so like, are we even in a place where we want people to change? It's like we want people to stay the same forever. Yeah. That's just completely fucking stupid. And then the the people, it happens a lot with the, I guess, the community that's affected by it. Right. Like we don't give those people room to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, for us. You know, as, as hyper masculine black man, we used to feel a certain way about the gay community. Right. And there's probably still, the, and those people that bring up those old tweets are those people that aren't trying to give there you go. us room to grow. There you, know, you go. It was a different time. And, you know, and you see um, certain people scraping or sweeping away old tweets and right. uh, old podcasts and old uh, YouTube videos and mm-hmm. stuff for that very reason because yeah. they're trying to cancel people for a a thought process that they don't even think anymore yeah and it's like back in the day in school like saying the f word that rhymes with maggot um it's offensive to gay people right yeah. and we was just saying this shit to say this shit yeah right and the thing about it is i don't use that language at all now just mm-hmm. because i know how offensive it is mm-hmm. and i and when i hear people say it i, I kind of cringe i'm gonna be honest yeah because yeah. you know i got uncles and people that still say that just just for example i know for a fact it's a white dude ain't racist at all but when he go around his uncles or his extended family they say nigger and he's mm-hmm. like man i don't i'm not with that like mm-hmm. i think y'all need to stop saying that mm-hmm. right but at the same time ain't much he could do because that's everybody gonna be their own man you yeah. know when you hear like uh, our uncles or extended family dropping the the f-bomb they don't realize that that's offensive towards gays and even if it is offensive towards gays they don't care and yeah, I mean, and then some people be so concerned about other people's lives. Right. Like those white people that are calling black people the N word um, in their during their Thanksgiving and right. uh, Christmas and whatnot. Like I heard it. I was walking to on New Year's Eve. I was walking somewhere and I heard somebody say it. I don't know in what context. I just heard the word. It was a group of Mexicans over there uh-huh. having like a New Year's Eve gathering uh-huh. or somebody a little bonfire. But I'm saying like. um, in that context, a lot of people aren't even affected by these people. And right. the people that are using the F word, I know I, I, I've heard it recently. And like it, like you said, it's, it's cringeworthy. And you're like, yo, these people that you're speaking about don't even come across you. Right. Like they're not even affecting you. In any right. Way. Yeah. For you to be saying that. Yeah. And I hear it a lot. <clears throat> I just think that a lot of times we, you got to allow people to grow and change. I, I just think we live in a world where we want to hold people to an opinion their whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. And that ain't cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't want to beat it over the head. Just just know that if you change your don't be afraid to change your mind too or your opinion. Yeah. If you feel one way about something and three and a half, four years later, you don't feel that way. Then it's like, yo, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, at one point in time, scientists thought the world was flat, and then they right. found out more information, and then they realized it wasn't. So, like, that's how we should operate. Right. Like, you know, we can think, we can have an hypo- a hypothesis, and then once we do the research or once we live life, we can come to a different conclusion. A hundred percent. That was completely nerdy because the <laughs> first the first thing I thought about was a science project. You know, <laughs> you have molecules. You, you know how when you have what, what was it called the uh, uh, what was the first one? It's a couple of it's 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 a hypothesis, uh-huh. right? And then it's uh, oh my god, it's like three or four of them. It's hypothesis. It's like a steps to it's like steps. Yeah. It's a scientific mm-hmm. step. It's like I forgot the first one. It's been so long since I've been in school. The hypothesis is the first one. Hypothesis is the first yeah, one. That's the statement that you think. 
is going to happen. Right. So, you know, so if, I, you, if you're doing like a water experiment, it's not the thesis, is it? No. Thesis. Hypothesis. And then hypothesis. And then it's the, the next one is something else. I think it's like three or four. Yeah, of we them. have computers, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's got to be like three or four of them. It's hypothesis, conclusion, and then uh, I don't even think conclusion. Conclusion is the last one. We gotta we we gotta get a guy like Jamie on here. I don't know how Jamie does it. It's It'd so fast, fast. Yeah. and it's like I don't know who else does what Jamie does, but it doesn't matter. Jamie is the best at that fucking job for Joe Rogan. Yeah, he will come up with a whole fucking story, and it's like thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got a whole thing. Actually, what it says here is Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot was a primate, and somebody uh, tried to talk about Jamie once, and he didn't even laugh. He's just like, "No, that's not true." It- <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna take a joke. God damn. <laughs> oh man. It's like but, no? I got it right here. So mm-hmm. the first one is a problem. Oh, okay. That's you right. Know, usually you gotta start off with the issue that you yeah. think is something. And then the next one is the question or the hypothesis. Uh-huh. And then the the next part is the uh procedure wow. or the experiment. And then next you go to your materials and then you have your results and conclusion. Wow, I don't remember having all those on that board though. You yeah. know, you know how you had that folded open board, and it, it had like three panels, mm-hmm. and then in the middle panel you had basically from the left panel, from the middle to the right, the right side had the ending, which was mm-hmm. the conclusion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I did a lot of science projects, man. I, I got a uh, second place in school when I was in sixth grade. Really? Yeah, I almost went to like the. Count not county, but the city science project thing. But yeah, I got second. Were you uh, funded by the uh, the nerdy black guy? <laughs> yeah, but I really I feel like I would have won, but my board was busted. Oh, like yeah. basically, what happened um, for the kids that and I maybe could have afforded. I just probably didn't ask my mom. I probably didn't want to be like a like a I don't know my so <laughs> I've had a lot of bad experiences asking my mom for something because she'll like throw some stuff together. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. basically, they gave me like po- like the poster board. Hundred percent. The so three they, panel board. Mm-hmm. No, not the not the, the open? not the three panel board. So what they did was they took like the you know the card stock like the thick paper, but it's like a poster. Okay. You know the people that be doing the car washes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, thick, thick paper yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they did was they folded one in half. <laughs> oh my God. And then they had one other one and then they just taped it all oh the way down and across. Yeah. So that was my science project. But I was I was on it though. Like I knew all, right. all the like what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But the presentation was trash. <laughs> like I had used a typewriter to type some of the uh Thing. So some of the font was little, and then I handwritten some of the other stuff. And yeah, yeah. Man, science project, I was pretty mediocre at it, but I was the best at show and tell. Sometimes you could bring shit in, yeah, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, the the, the craziest shit I ever brought in for show and tell." Mm-hmm. It was this bumblebee, right? And yeah. I remember uh, we we had moved to Bakersfield from Delano. This is like ninety two, ninety mm-hmm. like ninety three actually, and uh, and my mom was unfolding clothes, and it was a big ass fucking bumblebee like, yeah huge but it was dead but mm. it was fucking huge. <laughs> it was hairy as a motherfucker like on the cartoons mm. it was furry and it was fat dude it was yeah. like bigger around than a quarter oh god dang it was huge yeah and then uh she was like freaked out by it and then uh, my pops was like oh shit so i was like oh, i want to take it to school for show and tell but yeah. i was like all right go ahead 
So I put it in a bottle, like a soda bottle, and it was so big that you could hear it clunking around. <laughs> so I brought it to school, and my teacher was like, oh, my God. Like, she was freaking out and shit, and all the kids were like, wow, what is that? I was like, that's a bumblebee. Yeah. That shit was big as fuck. That's funny. Stinger was on it and everything. Could you imagine, like, some little kid going to school, but... They show and tell. They present like heroin or something. Like- my, my mom does this at home. Imagine you go to show and tell with a fucking dildo or something. <laughs> this is my mom's. She was looking for it, but I brought it to school. My mom uses this when she's praying. What was it? She was calling out Jesus. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, dang. Little kids are bad liars. I'll be like, late at night when mom, when daddy goes to work, her friend Alejandro comes over <laughs> and they clap their hands in the room. I hear hands clapping all night. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> It'd be crazy. Kid, it, it was crazy about kids, man. They just they have no filter. They're like, "Hey, mommy, what's an orgasm? <laughs> How about you ask your dad? He never gives me one of those." <laughs> oh man! Oh man! That's crazy. Oh man! <clears throat> mommy, what's a cum? <laughs> Gosh, dang. and it's it's so fucking hilarious the way parents have to like explain shit. Yeah, like mommy, it. what's eat the booty? What is that? <laughs> okay, baby, when two people love each other. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom, what's a wop? Well, I mean, when I was in college, I used to have one, uh, <laughs> but ever since my pH balance has been off. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, that's something a grumpy dad would interject on. Like, your mom used to have a wop. Now her pussy dry as hell. <laughs> now I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> ever since your wife, ever since she hasn't had wop, I've been drinking every day. <laughs> God damn. Oh, man. All right, switching gears. Um, we'll end with this one. Um, the rarity of The rarity of truth has conditioned us, right? And what I mean by this is we tend to use lies more than the truth based on the fact that the truth could be seen as inconvenient or disrespectful. Mm-hmm. If if somebody was like, I'm trying to lose weight and, you know, I'm trying to do this for myself. And then you look them in the fucking eyes and you said, hey, well, you can lose weight. But here's the problem. You keep going in and out four times a week and you don't even go to the gym. So how the fuck are you going to lose weight? <laughs> if you told if you looked him in the eyes and told him that they would be offended. Yeah, they would say, oh, my God, why would you tell you me say that? that? Well, yeah. Right. But th- that's because a lie <laughs> is very convenient and it's a soft blow. Yeah. Right. If you say anything to a woman besides you are a queen, you are perfect the way you are, blah, blah, blah. All the shit that people want to hear. Then nobody's going to get anywhere. But check this out. How many times have you heard, and I'm not going to make this a woman versus man thing. How many times have you heard a woman say that I don't want no broke man that I got to take care of? And I agree with that. Yeah. But if a man says, I don't want no big old girl that's gaining weight doing this. Now, here's the thing. I think there's a way you can tell people things without being fucked up. And you could tell you could look people in the eyes and tell them the truth. But even telling them like, hey, I think you're awesome, but I think for health purposes, it may be a little more convenient if you dropped about 40 pounds. 
they would still be fucking hurt. There's not there's not really a great way to say <laughs> to tell somebody they need to lose weight. All you can do is fucking lie. And it's mm. like, yo, I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't lie to myself. Yeah. So if I don't lie to myself, I will tell somebody straight up, hey, don't you ever fucking ask me for the truth. Don't you ever fucking ask me because I'm going to tell you and you're going to hate me. Go talk to somebody else that's going to fucking string you along. Yeah. Okay. Mo- mo- most people would much rather have uh, somebody to just consume um, the complaint that they have than actually like try to fix the situation. Right. So um, in, in that instance, you, you got to tread lightly, man. You do. People be like, hey, you can't man. tell your wife. <clears throat> Here's the thing, too, man. And a lot of people don't like I mentioned, they are afraid to tell the truth because um lying or misleading softens the blow do you think a woman's gonna be honest with her husband and say like you haven't fucked me good in four years no she's not gonna tell him that she and she makes the lie is probably faking pleasure faking orgasms oh my gosh bobby oh my gosh oh Oh my god bobby i want there yeah dead basically yeah she's like and and she's like she and women don't admit shit like this but they'll be like you know what like you know Honestly, you know, my ex treated me horrible, but he fucked me right. Mm-hmm. And now she's probably got this good dude, and the dude is his dick is weak as fuck. God damn. And she can't tell him that she's unsatisfied with sex. So this works both ways. It ain't just like, you know, women are telling men this or that. And I just think that overall we have to work off of a system. I think it's and women protect men men's egos too much. I noticed that a lot. Women protect men's egos. They're not going to tell a dude that he got weak dick. Yeah. The only time a woman going to tell a dude that his dick, dick is weak is if they get in a real bad argument and she knows she's going to break up. She's like, you haven't made me come in five years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's God why your damn. dick is little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a dick that small. <laughs> it goes both ways, though, because yeah. some... some uh, some dudes may never tell their girl that her head is trash. That's true. But what they will do if they sitting around with the fellas, they'll be like, yeah, man. Like, psh. they with the, the way that they'll describe their actual girlfriend or wife's head being trash is by hyping up somebody else. Oh. Like, yo, Stacia. Sheesh. Back in the day. Stacia was. Mm. Back when I used to go to the club, I ain't never had hair like that. <laughs> that hair was crazy. She yeah. was a freak. She had a big old booty. And it's like, and it's, and what's fucked up is, is like, you're never going to tell your wife this. I think what what fucks up shit for me is the fact that I know I'm going to be honest and that's going to really, being super honest with people will get, will turn them away, man. Yeah. Don't nobody want to hear that. Nobody want to hear that, dude. Cause my thing is, is I have a real ear for bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. when you're telling me stuff, I could, I could, I could really catch it real quick. Like, yeah, this chick's full of shit. But mm-hmm. then, like the first 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, yeah, this girl's fucking full of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I know she's a fucking liar. She's mm-hmm. a fucking liar for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm self aware enough to know, like, you just kind of know after a while of underperforming. Like, me and Keith talked about, like, back in the day or, you know, or just bouts of having bad sexual experiences. Or yesterday. Or the, no. <laughs> <laughs> it being your fault. Because, I mean, as a man, you're not going to have the best sex all the time. Sometimes you're going to give some weak dick. But a lot of go ahead, man. But your girl, like your girl or your wife or whoever, is not going to tell you. Like you know what? Last night that dick was weak. <laughs> she's not going to tell you that shit, man. She's gonna if you ain't getting it together, dude. She's just going to be frustrated. Yeah. 
But I don't know, man. It's it's something that we got to work on. And the fact that we we tend to lie our way out of shit or not be very forthcoming. It's we've we've built the whole society off of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I don't even what what would the world look like if everybody was just honest? Oh man, it'd be a like, lot. Like, hey, of- you know, you wake up or you you talking to your friend and you're like, hey man, I want to get this business off the ground. What if you just told him like, yo, stop talking about it. You you lazy. You need to go down to mm-hmm. the court or go down to excuse me, get go, this shit moving and call me. Yeah, later. go downtown and get your license. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like. Do you think that would be more effective than I guess. lying? Or? But I, I hope I'm using the correct diction, diction, but we need to stop like pacifying people. Mm-hmm. Um, because what we Pacifier? Do, huh? Said Pacifier? Pacifying. Oh, I just said that. the fuck you thought I said, <laughs> I'm just <funny. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I hope I use the correct diction. But mm-hmm. basically, um, if somebody we know that's full of shit, like, hey, I'm trying to start this business, yo, I need your help. I'll be thinking in my mind, like, nigga, don't waste my time. I don't <laughs> I don't want to waste. I don't want to fuck with you, bro. I really don't want to fuck with you. I'm looking for the best way to exit this conversation without us having an argument. So let me say, all right, I'm looking to it, bro. Knowing goddamn well, I'm not looking into that fucking shit. (laughs) It's the truth, man. I do it. And it's it's not. I don't even want to call it a lie. It is a lie, but it's misdirection. Yeah, it's it's bad. Mm -hmm. Like if. I know for a fact, like if I'm texting a chick or we're having a conversation, I could tell whether she has an interest interest that's pretty deep or she's just stringing me along. Yeah. Right. If you ever feel like you're chasing a woman in any capacity, it's probably because she's talking to other dudes and you're not at the front of the line. Yeah. When you're a priority, you know it. But it takes self-awareness to know these things. A lot of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. It's some dudes that will keep chasing and keep chasing and keep chasing and keep chasing. And the girl is frustrated. She's like, fuck, why doesn't this motherfucker get that I don't want him? Get the it, Even in those scenarios, imagine if a girl was like, yo, I am not really interested. Like, please stop talking to me or stop texting to me. Yeah. Like, I, I imagine initially a lot of those conversations would be like, man, you know, like, forget you. I'm going to block you on everything or whatever. But a few days later that conversation or that relationship would be in a much better place than just someone just like texting you good morning every morning right Right. and i hear women say it all the time why doesn't he get a clue why doesn't he get a clue why doesn't he get a clue here's a problem right two problems exist one he does need to get a fucking clue (laughs) that's one two you never fucking told him that you weren't interested or if you are very passive, you can just block him. Yeah, you could. A lot of people just like, they just let the messages go through and you, maybe he feels like, you know, your service was out or something. You could block him, but it's like, that's extreme. You could tell motherfuckers how you really feel. And the same people that say, I keep it real. I want the honesty. I hear a lot of women say this bullshit. I want <laughs> honesty. I want honesty. Can you take the truth if a dude says, hey, I want to fuck? You're not going to women are going to be like they're Even if women want to fuck, which a lot of women do, because many women want the same things. They're not going to fuck a dude that tells them, hey, I want to fuck. God damn. They rather have a guy that's going to gently lie to them. Right. Gentle lie. (laughs) A a gentle lie that's going to, you know, can be a, you know, that's not going to say what's really on his mind and play play the game. And then she's going to be like, wow, I don't normally do this, but. 
I don't normally do things like this. You're lucky that I like you. Knowing goddamn well you were sucking dick last week, okay? They be girls be lying. The uh, girls lie uh, up until you meet them in person, right? So that same girl would be on on Tinder, like you know, I'm not here for any hookups. Don't text me or don't right, message me if lie. you don't want hookups. That's then all it lie. goes from that to I don't normally do this or yeah. I don't normally send news, and then they'll send you a nude. And yeah. <laughs> I know I suck dick on the first day and they're like wop, 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 wop. <laughs> They sound like Yoshi on Mario Remember when Yoshi used to eat the mushrooms or whatever That's funny They be motherfucking Yoshi out there <laughs> Uh, oh, that's hilarious, man! <laughs> yeah, it's so many lies. I wonder if it's some like it, it's like I'm telling you, women be lying to dudes to boost the guy's ego too. It's probably some dude that he's hitting it, and she's like, "Oh my god, you're in my stomach!" Uh, no, like, didn't. you know, goddamn well he is not in your stomach. <laughs> you know, goddamn well. <laughs> I, man, I'm glad. I'm, if I heard, if I heard that shit in the middle of sex, like, "Oh, Eddie, you're in my stomach," I'd be like, "You a motherfucker." <laughs> Like, look, I got, I, I do okay Seven for myself, but I don't, I don't got, deep. I don't got stomach dick. Okay, <laughs> I do okay for myself, but I don't got stomach dick. So don't, don't try to pump oh, me up like that. Man. That's funny. <laughs> oh like, my god, I feel it in my chest. No, you don't. You just feel it in your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, my spine. <laughs> I was like, hey, I, well, my dick's not in your spine. You might need to call a chiropractor or something. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Uh, if you took anything from this, man, <clears throat> I think you need to probably change your circle. Be around people you can be honest with. Yeah. It was, it's unfortunate, though, but even in the marriages, everything, you can't be honest with your husband or wife or anybody that you're even close to. You kind of got to be like... Misleading them and making them feel a certain way, babe. Does this make me look fat? And you'd be like, honestly, you gained forty fucking pounds, but that dress doesn't make a difference. But you can't tell your wife or girlfriend that they will lose their fucking minds if you did it. Sometimes you, sometimes for the sake of your sanity, you got to keep it real. And it's not all the time. You know what I mean? You don't. You don't have to. If you honest all the time, you probably won't have. Any friends, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you know. But hey, but what if you like? He's like, oh, that was a good one to be like. Honestly, last night you sucked it better. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! If if you tell some women li- certain lies, though, they'll be like, they'll be like, dang, girl, you getting thicker, huh? You getting thick? Yeah. They'll be like, oh my god, stop. <laughs> Like, damn, you're getting kind of thick right now. You're getting thicker. Oh, my God. Really? Really? I'm getting thicker? Yeah, for uh, real. Heck no. That's the type of stuff you tell a nigga, or, or not a nigga, but uh, that's the type of stuff you tell a, a female with a nigga. Because you could, you could tell her those kind of things, and she'd be like, 
and it's and it's and it's because her boyfriend doesn't really actually like her that much anymore. Right. Like he he kind of passed that honeymoon phase. So right. all the compliments that he did give her they when they gone. was like, yeah. So that's the type of stuff you tell to a, a dude, a female. Dude. You know, some dude, some some men are so trash that they'll have a girlfriend, and you're not even moving in on the girl, but she'll start liking you just based on the things that you're doing around her that he doesn't do. Yeah, like you'll be like, dang, you're smart. I didn't even know you was that smart, and they'll be like. My boyfriend never tells me I'm smart. And then she just calculating. And then in her now head. she's like moving in on you and shit. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. why does she, is she? And then she, she putting an algorithm together in her head when she gonna suck your dick. <laughs> 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 oh man, she can give you that Yoshi. I wish we had that fucking Mario Brothers uh, sound effect. <laughs> We gotta uh, get the soundboard back, man. Oh, that'd be crazy if you put that old Mario song. Remember when you died on Mario? Uh-huh. It's like doom. Doom 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 doom. That's funny. It looks like we've came to the end of this episode, man. If you made it all the way to the end, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fiends. Get out of here. Peace. <laughs>